Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Wednesday, August the 23rd, 2023. It is the Wednesday of the 20th week of Ordinary Time. It's also the feast day of St. Rose of Lima. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. So, we have here the parable of the workers attending, coming into the vineyard to work at different times. So many different elements that apply to the spiritual life. For example, the landowner, the owner of the vineyard, going out and seeking the workers. This is what our Lord does with us, and he keeps seeking us. This should give us hope, especially for our loved ones that we pray for, who are maybe far from the Lord, far from their faith. Jesus is going to keep seeking them out right to the end. He's going to keep seeking you and me out right until the end. There's another little point here about the grumbling of those that worked all day. It begs the question, although it doesn't spell it out directly here, did they have a good heart? Were they really in it during that whole day? Or is it possible those that came at the last minute provided just as much heart as they did with their limited amount of heart spread throughout the day? This is obviously a, an image, a symbol of conversion, and we can't help but note in our faith that those who convert usually are the best Christians. They're usually the best Catholics. Why is that? Well, I think there's all kinds of different reasons depending on the person. It means more to them. They own it. They've chosen it for themselves, and they did it probably for an important reason. 
like they realize this is the truth. They realize life is short. They realize they want to go to heaven. They don't want to go to hell. Maybe they realize they've been living hell in this world. And Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, takes that away. And so those that come later very often are giving more. Very often they are the most fervent. Think about all the people in all the parishes that have been going their whole lives. And and how many of these people do I talk to? So many of them have, I mean, you know, there's the faithful remnant that goes every week. There's a really faithful remnant that actually goes on holy days. It's a very small number of people, very small percentage, a lot less than the, uh, they, a couple years ago, studies were done saying 20% of Catholics go to church. I, since COVID, it's more like 15, but holy days, it's more like seven. So how many of our people that aren't going faithfully are the ones that say, oh, I've been going my whole life. Well, you haven't been because you've stopped. But I, you know, when I was a kid, I went to this school. Okay, well, that's over now. And what you did before doesn't matter because you've broken the bond. You've broken the chain. We can restore that bond, that chain, by going to confession and getting back to church. But even, you know, as I talk about this, I I talk about it in the wrong way. Here I am like a... I feel like I'm a football coach saying, get your butt back on, you know, off the bench or get get out on the field or whatever. That's not how it is. That's not how it should be. It's not about some horrible thing that everybody hates doing that, that we got to yell at each other for. It should be an invitation to a relationship with Jesus that we love. And so if we've been there all day, all our lives, It shouldn't be that we complain about someone else getting rewarded, someone else coming into that relationship too. Someone else maybe being more fervent than we are. If it's about jealousy, then our hearts are not in the right place. If it's about, well, why can't you be more lax like me? And you're making me look bad with your fervor. Ugh. But yet for so many people, they look at their faith as a status symbol. In the community, the culture, they grew up in a semi-Catholic culture and they look at this as, I mean, how many times do I talk to people about, well, you know, have you gone to confession? Well, I don't need to do that. Or, you know, what do you think? What do you think? I'm bad. What do you think? I'm a sinner. You you think I need that? Or just, hey, did you see so-and-so? Well, I'm better than so-and-so. I go to church. Look at me. Yeah, I do that. Why are you telling me about prayer? I do that. Well, I talk to you about prayer because I love prayer. and. I'm assuming since you're here that you love it too. It's not about a competition. It's about let's share our faith. Let's grow together. And look, there's a new member. And look how fervent he or she is. Let's celebrate that because it it warms our Lord's heart, makes him happy, and it should make us happy too. We have more members now of our family. So that's what this should be about, that we're all coming to the Lord and we get excited when there's new members, and we should be like the owner of that vineyard going out and recruiting more people. Instead of being in that pew saying, this is my seat, I've always sat here, go sit somewhere else to a new member. And yes, they do that. (laughs) They say that. They tell people to get lost. They tell people maybe coming to church for the first time with their small children, they go, take that kid out of here. In my opinion, the kids should be up front 
it's true they might start to scream and cry. Okay, use common sense. If we can't hear the the, the priest preaching, etc., we take them to the back, you know, take them to the cry room, wherever, but then we bring them back in. We keep them up front. The church belongs to the children more than anybody else. Jesus said it. And this is how we train them to love Jesus. We bring them up close. We say, oh, that's the Lord. Let's get close to him. Not let's hide ourselves in the back so we can come in late and leave early and you can eat your Cheerios. Yes, I said Cheerios. Cheerios are the official breakfast of churchgoers. And every Monday morning, there will be Cheerios in your church somewhere on the floor, behind the seats, behind the cushions, somewhere there are Cheerios. But one other point I'm going to make about this reading, and that is deathbed conversions. God is so good to us that before we die, for the most part, most people before dying, they're given a time of old age and sickness. That is a grace. That is a blessing because it makes people become like children again. It makes people realize their mortality And I can't tell you how many times I've been involved with deathbed conversions, deathbed confessions, deathbed, just people saying, okay, please call the priest, please. I need this now. I need that now. And sometimes, I mean, there's so many amazing things that happen when one is on their deathbed. Sometimes they come and they, the priest comes, they get their last rites and then they're better (laughs) because I don't know, the Lord uses it. They needed that grace. They needed that humility. And now maybe they're going to have another year or two of life where they get to do penance for their sins. They get to really form a relationship with Jesus so that they're actually ready for judgment day. And it's not just a question of uh, putting our big toe over the line into purgatory to now spend another lifetime there. So, this uh, this parable here, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen it a lot. These What happens on a, a person's deathbed. Oh, my goodness, there's so many stories to tell. I'm just thinking of this one story that this priest told me of going to uh, anoint a woman who had cancer. And it's just a funny story. The daughter brings in the priest, and the mother's 80 years old. And the mother's sitting there and, and she's very scared because she has cancer. She's going to go through chemo. She's probably going to die. And she, in real life, she, I mean, the real story is she, she did die if like a month or two later. But the priest comes in to hear her confession and he's getting her ready. The daughter is just saying all this funny, crazy stuff because she doesn't go to church. I don't, I don't know who's doing what, honestly, but the, the daughter was just saying all these things that weren't really in line with church teaching and ah, you better not hear my confession. You'll be climbing, you'll be screaming to get out of the house or whatever. I don't know. Um, but as the priest is talking to this woman, there's like this pile of clothing on the couch on the other side of the room and it starts to move. And so the priest says, uh, is that a person over there? Who is that? And, and they say, Oh no, that's mom. Meaning the woman in her eighties who's dying that's her mother. <laughs> and so the priest addresses this woman. She's in her hundreds and she has dementia. But he says, would you like to pray with us? She makes like noises, doesn't really want to pray. But as he starts to now pray over both of them and anoint both of them, now this woman uh, kind of straightens up and folds her hands. There's like a memory thing that goes on. 
uh, with, you know, the elderly people with dementia, they remember certain things. There's certain parts of the brain maybe that haven't been as badly affected. And he ended up getting two for one that day with the confessions and anointing and all these things, all the graces that we need from God before we die. We need personal conversion as well. But both of them died soon after that. And both of them uh, had received their sacraments and died in the state of grace. Um, it's just amazing what goes on. But this is a great gift from the Lord and we should celebrate because while it's ideal that we are living a life of grace, a life in union with Jesus and union with Our Lady, still at the last minute, the Lord is trying to reel us in as many as he can get. And that's why those Hail Marys are so important. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And uh, the Lord rejoices as we hear in all these other places, all the different parables. He rejoices over the one sinner that returns, even if he's already got the 99. So let's continue to work on our own conversions. Let's continue to work on the conversion of others. Let's not be jealous. Let us rejoice and continue renewing for ourselves and in good example to those around us of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Have a great day. God bless.